Now, great pleasure. We bring back my dear friend, Dr. Arthur Laffer, chairman and chief economist of Laffer Associates and um, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, which is a great honor. One of these days, you're going to give him a Nobel Prize, which he deserves. Arthur, good morning. Thank you for... Good morning, Larry. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Um, So, actually, let me just focus. Uh, You and I talked about the jobs last night on the TV show and so forth. Yep. Uh, And it was a much bigger number and so forth. But I think think the issue here is inflation and um, too much money chasing too few goods and... Federal spending is skyrocketing, and the Federal Reserve keeps increasing bank reserves and the money supply. And so I'm just thinking, you know, where's how's this end? <laughs> That's the thing, because you're running 7% inflation. And Art, tell us your wisdom on this. You think in inflation, I mean, Janet Yellen said the inflation at the end of this year is going to be at 2%. Do you believe that? No, I really don't, Larry. I, I don't believe she's right. I think she's saying a political statement, but that that's different from saying I know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be at the end of this year, Larry. I really don't, but I don't think she does, and I think 2% is very unlikely. I think it'll be a lot higher than that, just my guess, you know. But there's no sign yet that inflation is even stabilizing, let alone falling. So when you've got this building up of inflation, which reminds me a lot of the 70s, uh, you know, I don't see the end until the, there's a policy change that would cause it to stop, like, as you say, the Fed stopping buying government bonds. In fact, letting the, the bonds roll off their balance sheet. You know, it, you've got these deficits coming. You know, deficits do stimulate the economy in the quarter it occurs, but then they hurt the economy going out. So a big deficit this month increases demand and supply, but then it worsens demand and supply going forward until we get 100% crowding out, which means we build in a lot of problems over the next year, I believe, that will lead to a lot higher inflation. Talk some more, Art, on this, the deficits and the crowding out and the role of the Federal Reserve. Yeah, well, let me start on on the deficits and crowding out. In the quarter in which government increases spending... That's a shock, and people spend more, they supply more. There's a, a, an increase in GDP. In fact, the point estimates are that a dollar increase in government spending will increase GDP by $1. No multiplier effect there, but $1. But then in the next quarter and the quarters following that, for the next three quarters, real GDP will fall by the amount of total $1. So there's no change in GDP. So what the boom in this quarter is offset by the declines in the next three quarters. And we have had huge increases in government spending, Larry, and those have led to a a higher GDP than we would have expected. But now they're in the stage of really reducing GDPs going forward. So I am worried about a slowdown in the economy. I think the first quarter GDP may may well be a growth of less than 2%. It might be. Mm-hmm. And then going forward, it'll even be worse. And that will be a restriction of the supply of goods, as you say. And the Fed has done nothing yet to stop buying bonds. They may have slowed down their purchases, but they're still pumping liquidity in. And those two together lead to the perfect, perfect uh, situation to encourage inflation. Yeah, and and that's a- where we are. It's like a perfect storm. So, right, it's so you're going to have storm, s- yes. slower and slower growth. And, and the 1970s have- is the answer. Yeah. We're going to have a 1970s type of situation unless there's a big change in policy. Now, a big change in policy would be stop the spending, right? Yep. And 
stop the money, uh, stop the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. And yeah, I and I'd go one step supply. further. I'd go one step further. I read this uh, editorial in the Wall Street Journal two days ago about uh, making Trump, Trump's tax cuts uh, permanent. Uh, that would encourage supply. I, Who wrote I that? also would uh, would think very seriously about having a uh, payroll tax cut of substantial proportions to bring back those people back into the labor force who have decided because of their stimulus spending not to work. You know, anything we can do to encourage supply would be wonderful. So, right. So Steve and I wrote the editorial. Yep, but you did. You you ghost wrote it. I mean, we're just we're just saying stuff that you taught us. And we've all had this view, the Trump tax cuts. So if you if you made them permanent, businesses would be a lot more confident. You know, we're not getting the kind of business investment spending we need for equipment and technology. And uh, the immediate expensing is going to start running off next year. So uh, that's a we need to produce enough incentives for more uh, more production of goods and services. So that would help on the inflation side. But I don't see, you know, my problem with the Fed is, you know, look who's going to the Fed. You've got all these woke Fed people. I know. It's, it's crazy. Climate change, and slavery reparations and stuff like that. So really, I mean, what are we going to do? What's what's what is to be done? Well, you know, first place, we've got to be patient because there's nothing else that can be done, to be honest with you. Uh, there's nothing that can be done in the next year uh, that is positive in this system. You've done the one thing, Larry, you did. You and Steve Moore did. You, 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 you stopped the bill and you saved America. You stopped us from having a lot more damage. But now we have to wait until the midterm elections. The midterm elections will tell us what the country really wants. Do they, will they give us a, a Republican House and maybe a Republican Senate? If that happens, that will start the process changing. Then you've got two more years of Biden presidency, and then you'll see what happens in 2024. Then it takes another year after that to get legislation in place and passed. So we've got a, at, least a, at least a four-year horizon before we can really reverse things. And and uh, we just have to be patient and plan it and do it correctly. I mean, make sure we don't make big legislative mistakes once we're in there. A low-rate, broad-based flat tax, mm. spending restraint, sound mm. money, free trade, minimal regulations. If we get into that framework, Larry, we can recreate a boom that will make Reagan's look small. And, you know, I think the next president of the United States is going to be the biggest hero of all time. Because, and, uh, you know, it took Jimmy Carter to create Ronald Reagan, honestly. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine the great president who's going to be created by Joe Biden? It's going to be spectacular. Yeah, it's a fabulous opportunity. That's a great it point. It is fabulous. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, you know, you're talking about uh, cut regulations, cut taxes, cut spending. We need to be competitive internationally on the trade front. They've got this crazy bill $350 billion of spending, allegedly to be more competitive with China. There's got to be a better way. I mean, I've looked at this bill. You know, it's more money here, more money there. What should we do on the international trade front? Cut tariffs. Yep. Cut tariffs, cut quotas, open up our borders. You know, bottom line, Larry, China is going to be here 50 years from now. We're going to be here 50 years from now. The hate China model, hate China, now not the Chinese military, 
But, you know, China, without China, there is no Walmart. And without Walmart, there is no middle class or lower class prosperity. We need to learn to live with China, to get them to agree, to stop the military adventurism, but not use trade to try to really halt their military. I mean, this is something where we need to work with China in the long run to create the prosperity we need, my view of the world. But they need to open up to us, too. Of course. No, it's got to be bipart. I mean, it's got to be bicidal. Uh, they've got to open up to us, and we've got to open up to them. That's true. And we have opened up to them, and they have opened up to us, by the way. They produce a lot of the products we use and stuff, and our investments are in there. A lot of American-owned companies are partially American-owned. So they have opened somewhat to us, and we have opened a lot to them. And it's really that trade has been spectacular for both countries. The, uh, you know, the military issues are really serious, but they're not – to be handled by by economic policies. I mm. I find these boycotts and these things like that really not in our interest in the world com- community at all. If you're going to have Olympics, go to them. If not, don't. But don't use them as a political weapon every four years. It just doesn't make sense to me, Larry. You know, inside, we had this debate inside the Trump administration about spending a lot of money to subsidize semiconductors, art. Semiconductors, which yeah. you know, ch- chips are yeah, the heart, chips. heart of the economy. Um, so a lot of the big shots were in favor of a fifteen or twenty billion dollar subsidy to various chip companies, uh, in some sense to have them expand production here, or to bring them from overseas, like you know Taiwan Semiconductor, which they are coming to the United States. But there were. Two people that opposed the subsidies. One of, one of them was me, but the other one, a little more important, was the president. Now, Art, they're going to have a $50 billion subsidy in the last yeah. minute. Is that $50 billion subsidy to chip companies going to solve our problem? Yeah, you and the president were exactly correct on that. And doubling the policies that you disliked uh, does not make it likable. Uh, This is a bad bill. It's a bad situation. And I wish we wouldn't do it. Just get out of the way and let businesses handle their stuff. If there are strategic materials, for example, I would not suggest trading nuclear weapons with North Korea. That's just out of the picture. Obviously, there are lots of things you want to restrict the sales of and you want to have inventories of that are strategic to the U.S. uh, economy. But other than that, Larry, we want to have free trade. And let the chips fall where they may. And no pun on chips No there. pun intended. Yeah, no they, pun intended. But that's what you and the president were doing, exactly the right thing. And thank God there were a couple in your administration, if you remember, who were not so free trade as you and the president. Right. Thank, and, well, yeah. I think low taxes and regulations makes us more competitive, you know? Really does. And that's the only way to go to make us more competitive. Right. Using, using the budget to make us more competitive is stupid in the extreme. All right, my friend. Well done. Well said. Uh, have a great weekend. Thanks for hey, helping. You too, Larry. And thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than fifty percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.